0: Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel episode number 587, and I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M.
1: And I'm Lorraine Say. Fwee, 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 We haven't fwee, fwee, fwee in a while, so I had to oh, bring it. Yeah.
0: It is fwee, fwee, fwee worthy, uh, because we are excited to deliver lots of fun Marvel stuff.
1: Absolutely. This week we're going to be talking with Anne Foley, who's a friend of the show, Friend of Women of Marvel panel. She's joined us many times. She is a costume designer in the Marvel universe, most recently for Marvel Studios She-Hulk, attorney at law on Disney Plus, as well as Marvel's Agents of Shield for many seasons. We've talked to her many times over the years, and very excited to have her on the show today. Also, happy Lunar New Year to those who celebrate. Mm-hmm. It is the year of the rabbit. I just found out that apparently the rabbit is supposed to be the luckiest of the Chinese zodiac, which. Mm. Is very cool. So I hope everyone has a very lucky, happy new year. Yes. I love it. I'm here for it. We're starting the new year again already. So if you messed up the first couple of weeks, let's just do it over.
0: Yep, rewind, reset, let's yeah. do it. All right, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff because this is the official Marvel podcast where we talk about what's happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, but really it's just the things we're excited about want to share with y'all, including some big updates that happened this week for nominations. I know we talked about a lot of nominations oh, yeah. last week, but ooh,
1: we got more. Oh yeah, we do. There's just this little rinky dink award show you might have heard of called the Academy Awards. Obviously, one of the biggest deals there is in Hollywood. And marvel studios black panther wakanda forever deserves the most amazing congratulations on five nominations congratulations to angela bassett for being nominated for best supporting actress for the film the film was also nominated for best original song for lift me up for best visual effects best costume design best makeup and hairstyling much love to the marvel studios team much deserved Mm -hmm. angela bassett You're going to need a bucket to carry home all these awards this award season. Congratulations to you. Oh, and I want to shout out that if you're looking for some super cool merch inspired by Marvel Studios, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever and beyond, Nicholas Smith, who we actually did an interview with not too long ago about his new book, who's an incredible artist who's worked with Marvel Viz dev and all over the place has a phenomenal artist series collection that just arrived at Target. Lots of cool apparel. Black Panther. I love the shirt. There's it's like Black Panther and Storm and Miles Morales. There's special Funkos. There's a whole bunch of stuff. You can check it out. Over at Target, super duper fun if you're looking for some sweet Marvel merch.
0: Yeah, and if you also are going to shop for some cool stuff at Target, maybe you'll check out some new addition to Marvel Villainous. It's a, a game from Ravensburger, and they just announced an addition to Marvel Villainous. It's Marvel Villainous Twisted Ambitions. And in this new one, you can play as Doc Ock, Titania, and Kang the Conqueror. It's called a, an expand Alone game which i i love that phrase it's uh, an expansion to the game but it's also you could just play it by itself uh so like i said you can play as these characters or mix and match with the villains from previous marvel villainous releases thanos hella taskmaster ultron and killmonger from infinite power loki madam mask and modok from mischief and malice or all the venoms from we are venom i feel like this is one of those games we need to get hip to lorraine
1: Oh, yeah. We love a tabletop game. Mm -hmm. Also, I have to say, it is winter time, and this is the perfect game where you're like, just here with my fam. What can we do? Let's play a board game to keep our sanity while we are stuck inside, staying away from the cold.
0: Yeah, so you can pre-order Marvel Villainous Twisted Ambitions via Target and Amazon starting February 3rd. And the Target edition has an exclusive Chrome Doc Ockmover, so maybe you go for that one, maybe. There you
1: go, blinged out. We'd love to see it. All right, let's get into some comic-y goodness. We have Avengers number one coming in May. It's a new run by Jed McKay, who we have often talked about his phenomenal Black Cat series and beyond. C.F. Via, also who worked on Black Cat and is a stormbreaker amongst other things, just a phenomenal artist. Covers by the one and only Stuart Eminen. I mean, just one of the greatest artists (laughs) To to Grace the cover, he's phenomenal.
0: I am so excited for Stuart to be doing Marvel work again. He's so freaking good. Go read any of his new Avengers stuff, his Mm -hmm. amazing Spider-Man work, a ton of Marvel work. But it's been a few years, so him on covers, chef's kiss.
1: Love it. And this new series is going to follow up Jason Aaron's obviously monumental run on the title. It's currently wrapping up in the very epic Avengers Assemble crossover. And then readers are going to be introduced to an all new Avengers lineup led by Captain Marvel. And that includes Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Black Panther, Scarlet Witch, and Vision. And this team is just some of the greatest Marvel icons. And this story is going to follow the group as they are gifted with the knowledge of something called the Tribulation Events. It's a series of grand scale disasters that are going to spark an upheaval throughout the known universe. It's going to be phenomenal. We love Jed McKay, super excited to see where he takes this new team of Avengers. And of course, if you haven't yet, read Timeless number one that released last month, also by Jed, phenomenal. And of course, put this on your pull list. It's on sale May 17th.
0: Something much sooner is Immoral X-Men number one, which is on sale February 22nd. So it's coming real soon. This is part of Sins of Sinister, written by Karen Gillan, art by Paco Medina, covers by Laniel Yu, and... This is pretty cool. If you haven't checked out Sins of Sinister yet, it's the first issue is out this week. We'll talk a little bit about it in a bit. It's basically Sinister has taken over everything and we are following his machinations and him taking over all of mutant kind and messing things up and then his plans going awry and by the end of the series they're going a thousand years into the future and it's really gonna actually add some cool stuff to the x-men it's a really neat story for the Krakoan age of x-men comics but in this one we're following the immoral x-men and it's following 10 years after mr sinister has done all his bad stuff And we're going to see Emma Frost venting her frustrations, trying to crush Mr. Sinister. You got to love that. Got to love Emma trying to stomp on Nathaniel Essex. If you want to see a sneak peek, go check out the preview on Marvel.com and then get Immoral X-Men number one in February. Let your local comic shop know you want a copy.
1: Yeah, I love it. I want to see these two fancy pantses face off. They're like, no, my cape is better. It's going to be the best. Also the best, extreme. Universe. Blah, 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 blah. That's the sound of many symbiote tongues all lashing. It's on sale the 10th of May, written by Ryan North, Leonardo Romero, and Mirka Andolfo. Uh, with art by Paolo Sicchiera, Nico Leon, and Leonardo Romero. Covered by Laniel Yu. Going to be awesome. It's a big issue in honor of the 35th anniversary of venom and marvel comics is gonna kick it off with a summer of symbiotes get out of here hot girl summer it's symbiote summer now 2023. Venom (laughs) Girl Summer? Venom Girl Summer. I love it. I'm here for it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a season-long celebration of all things Symbiote, including new Symbiote-focused titles, characters, and more. The landmark new series is going to feature jaw-dropping turning points for iconic characters like Eddie Brock and Dylan Brock. And maybe you'll see some never-before-seen Venoms. Getting out there, baring their fangs, squiggling their tongues, gooping their goop. We'll see. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And of course, we're super excited for the talent that's going to be in this incredible book. Summer of Symbiotes, baby. You heard it here first, kicking off May 10th. Go and look out for Extreme Venomverse.
0: Yeah, we don't get a lot of Palo Sequeira art interiors. So I'm very excited for that with Ryan North. And then Leo Romero is so good. Did the Hawkeye stuff with Kelly Thompson a couple years ago. Leo's been doing some work on some some Marvel Studios stuff over the last couple of years. And you can see it on his social media and just the best, the flipping best. If you don't know his name now, you're going to know his name in the future. Another cool comics thing we got to talk about is a Ghost Rider Wolverine crossover coming in August. It's called Weapons of Vengeance, written by written by Benjamin Percy, art by Jeff Shaw, <laughs> covers by Ryan Stegman. Was that a good Benjamin? That was Percy? a good
1: Benjamin Percy. Yeah,
0: it was a good Benjamin Percy. <laughs> it's,
1: it's kind of bad, but yeah, it's definitely
0: bad. Sorry, It does ben.
1: actually sound like Wolverine. Like he in does. and he lives in the woods and wears flannel. It's like honestly, the best. Who's to say he's not?
0: (laughs) I know. Let's keep on going, talking about Ghost Rider Wolverine, Weapons of Vengeance, because the alpha issue coming in August. We'll sort of talk about Wolverine and Johnny Blaze's first encounter back when Logan was still, like, getting his, his boots wet. Is that a phrase? I'm going to go went. with it. getting his boots wet with the X-Men. Okay, weird. And Johnny was just getting his boots wet with his demonic transformation. They fought side by side against some cool stuff. So we then come to the present where Wolverine is on the run after all the stuff that's been going on with Fall of X and Johnny is just going down this really dark path. They're going to collide together and blah, the past enemy going to come together and then just go, all oh, everybody's going to make out and it's going to be fire and blood and claws and blah. <laughs> Anyway, it's going to cross over over into the pages of ghost rider 17 wolverine 36 and then come back into the weapons of vengeance omega so you got four issues alpha ghost rider wolverine omega boom nice and tight i love it
1: love to see it i can't wait for august A will look out for it then put it on your pull list i can't believe we're getting titles for august This year is going so fast. And the comic goodness does not stop. We have so much comic goodness this week. Also coming to Marvel Unlimited, Who is Kang, a new Infinity comic, is coming this week. It's here, actually, by the time you're listening to this episode. It's a complete explainer on Kang called Who is Kang? And it's from creators Rich Duick, Ramon Box. And Peter Pantazis. And uh, let's get a little flavor text here. With all of time at his disposal, Kang has dedicated his life to one goal. Conquering. Travel across the ages to learn the origins of Kang from ancient eras to his conflicts with the Avengers to the far reaches of the future. Listen, if you all want a little Kang in your life in these coming weeks, but just think about it. If you want to know a little bit more about all of Kang's history and comics... This is the time to get your Marvel Unlimited on. If you haven't already, go to marvel.com slash unlimited and go sign up for it because it's freaking awesome. It gives you access to thousands and thousands and thousands of comics at your fingertips at any time. And these Infinity Comics are so, so good. And if you're living your life on your device like many of us are, they're so easy to read on your phone. They're a great way to uh, spend a few minutes on a bus or a subway, or in the backseat of a car, or uh, in the bathroom. So you're welcome to check that out at any time. You're welcome. Oh, also, I wanted to shout out, if you want a little explainer on the character Star Fox, AKA Eros, I highly recommend you head over to Marvel.com or the Marvel YouTube page. We have a new explainer all about their comic book history that I worked on with the Marvel video team. And I have to say, the comments on Instagram had me cry laughing. I love you guys. You are delightful. That is all. (laughs) Go check it out if you want to know a little bit more about certain Star Fox hanging out with certain Eternals and Thanos Mm. and stuff. You're welcome.
0: All very good stuff. One thing we wanted to share is that Moon Girl is coming to Hollywoodland and Disney California Adventure. That's starting next month in February. So if you go to Disney California Adventure Park, you may see Moon Girl. She'll make her debut there in Hollywoodland. Of course, Moon Girl is the 13-year-old super genius Lunella Lafayette. And this is perfect timing as the brand-new animated series Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur debuts February 10th on Disney Channel and February 15th on Disney+. Plus. If y'all go... And see, Moongirl, send us a picture. Yeah. I wanna see. I wanna see. I wanna see.
1: Mm-hmm. And we're gonna be talking more about this awesome new animated series mm-hmm. in coming days, Marvel's Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur. So hold on to your hats. It's gonna be good stuff. Oh yeah. Also, some more good stuff from Podcast Land. We've got Marvel's Wastelanders. It is the final chapter of the Marvel's Wastelanders audio epic. Ten episodes. It's the first ever podcast crossover event from Marvel and Sirius XM and right now we're on chapter 9 we're heating up towards that ending and this is Crossfire that's the episode this week and it is now available it features Star-Lord, Hawkeye, Black Widow and Judy Stark and they're going to lean into the reality warping abilities of the Cosmic Cube to battle it out in a distorted reality Dr. Doom is there to exact long-awaited revenge only to face a cosmically enhanced Valeria Richards it's gonna gonna be epic definitely go check it out and in fact check out this little bit of the series right now
0: (laughs) and so inevitably the cosmic cube is truly dooms the cube shows me hellfire's in which the damnable souls of all those who ever dared oppose me past or present from the avengers to kingpin and the red skull their trembling pleading hands outstretched crushed beneath my iron boot heel
1: doom doom has the cosmic cube well let's go take it from What? How hard could that be?
0: You're new here, right?
1: There you have it. Subscribe to the SXM app or Marvel Podcast Unlimited on Apple Podcasts to hear episodes of Marvel's Wastelanders one week early, or subscribe to Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts for additional bonus content. Of course, learn more at SiriusXM.com slash Wastelanders. Yeah.
0: Over on my other podcast here for marvel marvel's pull list we talk about all the new comics out every week we give recommendations and highlights and awards and all kinds of fun stuff this week we are giving our picks of the week to amazing spider-man number 18 exterminators number five and sins of sinister number one which one of these has little booty shorts I'll let you figure out by (laughs) reading the comics. It literally could be any of them. And then we have a wonderful guest this week for our reading club where we dig into a story on Marvel Unlimited. Tiger Division and Silk writer Emily Kim joined us to talk about Astonishing X-Men, Unstoppable, the uh, really tremendous arc that sees Mm. Kitty Pryde do some, some wild stuff. Yeah. Heck of a story. You can check out all of that on Marvel's Pull List. New episodes out every Tuesday. Listen on the SiriusXM app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right. Time for us to go explore which of those issues has hot pants. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to This Week in Marvel. I'm Lorraine Sink.
0: And I'm Ryan Panagos. I think it's time for our interview, Lorraine. How does that sound?
1: Yeah, that sounds great. Really excited. This week on the show, we have on costume designer from Marvel Studios, She-Hulk attorney at law, who has also had a storied history with Marvel. She worked on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Foley. She's a delightful friend of the show and of Marvel.com for many, many years. And she was just a delight to speak with.
0: Yeah, I'm super bummed I missed it, but I was feeling really sick that day, if I remember correctly. And so you got to talk to Anne after I was able to be like, hi, Anne, you're the best. Gotta go. Bye.
1: Yeah, it was a really fun conversation. So let's get into it right now. Hi, Anne. How are you?
2: Oh, hey, Lorraine. So good to be back.
1: Oh, my gosh. You've had such a, a long history with us. At this point, we've gotten to talk to you so many times over the years, so it's so wonderful that you're joining us here on This Week in Marvel. What is your Marvel origin story? What's the first way you encountered the characters and the world before maybe even your design
2: beginnings? Well, that's actually a great question. I will say, I mean, as a kid, of course, you know, I was familiar with the comics, but I would say it was the first Avengers movie that Joss directed that really made me fall in love with all things Marvel. And then when I got the opportunity to work on the pilot for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I completely jumped at it because I was in love with what I saw in the Avengers movie. And I felt so lucky to be part of Marvel's first television show. And then I got even luckier by getting to design the series after the pilot was over and that's when my marvel education so to speak really began because i had to really do a deep dive into all of the characters the backstories because you know it was really important to the fans that we present these tiny little easter eggs throughout the show you know to help keep them engaged and to show that we are doing our research and so that was that was really a fun part of it and i got an education in Marvel that I never truly expected, to be perfectly honest, but it was awesome.
1: Yeah, well, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too has so many characters that are deep, deep cuts yep. and all kinds of things that I imagine that you were really into it. We'll get into all of that, but I want to talk to you a little bit about how you got into costume design. I mean, you've worked on, outside of the Marvel Universe, some classics, some Austin Powers movies, Mystery Men, Scream 2, like, iconic iconic films and things. How did you start costume designing and how did you get into costume designing for film in particular?
2: Well, I grew up in uh, Savannah, Georgia. I never thought I was going to be a costume designer or work in costumes. I was going to go be a buyer for The Limited. I had majored in fashion (laughs) merchandising at Georgia Southern. And then it was my senior year, I think, that my boyfriend at the time got a job working in extras casting on a movie that was shooting in Savannah, and I went to set with him. And I had never seen a costume designer. I had never seen a costume team. It was a really beautiful period film, and I fell in love with that idea. And so after graduation, I moved to Los Angeles with $500, one phone number of a costume designer that my aunt knew. Actually, it was my uncle's cousin who lived in San Francisco <laughs> who knew, Aggie Rogers, very famous costume designer. And so I called her when I moved to LA and she hooked me up with her old assistant costume designer who'd just gotten her first movie. And that's sort of the rest is history. It was this really amazing you know, journey through costumes and some of the people I got to work with coming up through my career. I mean, I started off as a set costumer, which was, you know, which is what I was doing on Austin Powers, and then became an assistant costume designer, which is what I did on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. eventually, and then um, started designing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I had done a couple small things before Agents, but that was my first big foray into costume design. And
1: what an epic one, because the Marvel Universe is you know, gods and titans and Inhumans and everything in between. (laughs) Yeah. For anyone who isn't super familiar with what a costume designer does, could you talk a little bit about what that role is exactly?
2: Well, costume designers are responsible for helping create the character. And we're telling a story with the costumes and with the clothes of who this person is. And that's always the main directive. There's other... Things that we're obviously doing along the way as well, whether it comes to the fittings and the research boards, communicating with the director, the writers, the producers about the vision, the overall look of the film or the television project. It is our job as costume designer to help tell that story visually with the clothes and for the actors too. It's like we're helping them inhabit and create these characters and helping them tell the story as well, which is always really exciting when you see an actor in a fitting, put the clothes on, and then the character comes to life right before your eyes. And it's one of the greatest things that I love about what I do.
1: That's always one of my favorite things is to talk to a new person in the Marvel Universe and say, but what did it feel like when you put on the costume? And they're <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I was a superhero. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think people give enough credit to you. Before you even hear a character speak, you're taking in who they are. you know, a lot of times you'll see this establishing shot where somebody's just like walking across the parking lot, but you know so much about who they are based on if they're wearing a suit or dirty oil-stained jeans or, or whatever it might be is so much information.
2: Yeah, 100% and that's the fun part of the job. I think. Definitely. You know, because that was a fun thing even on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, you knew exactly who each one of those characters, you know, who they were based on how they were dressed. And what I loved about that show as well is the storytelling we could do, the character arc through the clothes that really would speak to the audience about where this character was emotionally or even physically. Like, I think it was season two when Fitz lost his ability to um, use his hands and so season one he'd been in ties but season two he couldn't tie ties anymore so we had him out of the ties and that was a really great sort of little subtle hint about where he was emotionally and physically and it speaks to the audience and it helps it helps the actors as well let's talk a little bit about
1: marvel's agents of shield obviously you you know you were on that series since the very beginning it was on for so many seasons, seven seasons, yeah. which is just an incredible feat. Clearly, the longest-running television show we've done for Marvel of all time. And that gives characters such a long time to evolve and change. You know, we've seen character name changes from Sky to Daisy to Quake, yeah. from Ward to Evil Ward to Hive. You know, we've seen all of those sort of growth over time. What have been some of your favorite, you know, character evolutions that you've gotten to shepherd through? Oh, I would
2: easily say it was Fitz and Simmons. They were such babies when we started the show. And then by the time we finished it, they were married with a kid. But watching their evolution and watching all of them actually grow up, Chloe as well, it was a really wonderful arc. And it was so great to be able to help tell those stories. I remember, I think it was the beginning of season um, four. I put boards together to show, like, the character arcs of each one of the characters, where they started in the pilot and where they were at the end of season three. And just looking at these photos and s- watching them grow up in front of our eyes, it was so great. And you could tell where they were within the story based on the costumes. And That was a real gift. It really was. It was really special.
1: You know, something that I think is really cool and distinct, especially about the series, is you get to design some hero costumes. You know, at first, the agents were all kind of doing the agent thing. But obviously, some heroes, some anti-heroes have all kind of come in. Who have been some of your favorite heroic
2: costumes that you've gotten to work on? Well, I love the Quake costume. There's always going to be a special place in my heart for that costume and getting to Designed that with Philip Boutet, who was my concept illustrator on that, and then getting to make that for Chloe. That was incredible. That was a really great moment. And I think it was a great moment in the series for not only for Chloe, but for the fans as well. And her gauntlets, I'll always have a special place in my heart for those (laughs) gauntlets, I love them. And, you know, same with Mockingbird, loved Mockingbird, Ming, Nas, uh, Agent May's, you know, costume badass. I think the silver sequin dress, or maybe yes. her mother <laughs> cat suit. <laughs> Two of my ultimate favorites. And uh, oh my god, I mean, the list goes on. It's just, there's so many great moments. I think, I have a question for you. I think, what is your favorite costume moment, do you think?
1: Well, I definitely am a huge fan of the silver sequin May dress. <laughs> yep. It was just so wonderfully, deliciously out of character for her, because she's always, like, in the black... Suit and she's like the buy the book person, and then you see her put on this like super sexy vibrant dress, and you see such a different side of her yeah. in her undercover work. It was just like great character storytelling in a fabulous costume. You also got the opportunity to work on some like very out of this world stuff. I mean, Ghostwriter, the Inhumans. Um, what was it like working with some of those folks that had you know more CG or or makeup elements that get incorporated into what they wear?
2: Oh, it's great. I mean, that was one of the things that I always loved about the show and will always miss about the show is the collaboration between departments and how seamless it was. And with Ghost Rider, we worked really closely with Mark Holpack, who was our genius uh, VFX producer. And he created some really incredible moments with Ghost Rider. And I loved that character so much. It was so much fun. I think the tricky part was always making sure that the light source worked with whatever costume we were making for him, but it worked beautifully, especially with the coat, the leather coat that we made.
1: Right, so you mentioned the light source. Did you have to have like lights in his collar or was there like lighting on set? Because you know, something people don't always realize is when you want somebody's face to turn into flames is you have to light yeah. them in the yeah. moment so Correct. that it
2: reads. Yeah, you have to create the light source, like in the environment around him. Whether so, that would be on, especially his shoulders in the front of his costume. Uh, he had a a helmet, so to speak, like a cap with lights on it that would mimic the flame source.
1: That's amazing. There's so much that goes into it, you know, that we never see, but it takes so much thought. You know, just looking back at Marvel's Agents of Shield and this whole wild ride that you were on for so many years with the team. Are there any particular moments or things that you look back that you feel really proud of from the series?
2: Oh my God, I mean, I just feel blessed that I was even part of the series. And I will always be proud of everything that we accomplished on that show. I mean, it's crazy. When you think about the amount of stuff that we did within an eight-day shooting schedule and 22 episodes a season. It was like going to college for me, it really was. I learned more on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. than anything I've ever done in my career. It taught me so many things about costume design, about how to move quickly, how to make decisions quickly, how to pivot quickly if need be, if something's not working. And if it wasn't for my time on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I don't think I would have been successful on Everything else that I did after that, like Altered Carbon, Skyscraper, or even um, She-Hulk, for that matter. It was a really wonderful experience being a part of that show, and I will always be grateful and feel blessed that I was part of it.
1: And since you did bring up Marvel Studios She-Hulk attorney at law, we have to talk about my favorite green girl. Absolutely. There's so much about the series that I want to talk about, but I have to talk about a breakout character first and foremost. Oh boy, okay. You know who it is. Madison. <laughs> um <Yes. laughs> The unexpected hero. <laughs> Addie Guggenheim, killing it. I just had I have to bring up Madison first. She is an agent of chaos in the best way possible, just mm-hmm. delightful. When you first got that character, I think her clothes are so defining for her. When you first saw that character in the script, what was your sort of vision for her?
2: Well, you know, the funny thing about that episode was it didn't really pop as much until they started casting it. And then all of a sudden, the characters on the page took a completely different turn for me. And I was like, oh, no, I get We're really leaning hard into the humor and the comedy. And Patty is a force of nature. She is so much fun. Obviously, you can tell. I mean, what you see <laughs> on screen, she's just great. She's <laughs> hilarious. She's down for anything. And I realized the second I knew it was Patty, okay, we're gonna go for pink. Was her signature color, and everything's gonna be tight and slightly inappropriate. <laughs> And especially for her courtroom scene, I knew I wanted it to be so wrong for court. (laughs) And it was from, you know, her her earrings that I think say baby girl (laughs) with like the super high heels, the incredibly short little play suit that she's practically falling out of. I mean, it was and is hilarious. It's one of my she's definitely one of my favorite characters in the show. I cannot get enough of Madison.
1: We love Madison. We stand Madison. She is just a delight. (laughs) Of course, we clearly also stand She-Hulk, star of the show, but what an interesting challenge with a character who is half the time an actress and half the time a CG being who is also an actress, but is a different size and a different scale (laughs) and all of those things. What was that process working through how to dress a person who is sometimes not entirely just
2: a human body. It was great. It was fun. It really was a challenge figuring out the mathematics, to be perfectly honest, uh, because that was really important to Marvel. Like, what are the mathematics, the difference between Tatiana and Malia, who was our uh, visual reference, our lighting reference?
1: Right. So a whole actress who would... Who was
2: taller, right? I think Malia's 6'5". She's 6'5", or she's 6'6". So the process started once we had Malia cast. Ryan Meyerding, who is the head of visual development at Marvel, or VizDev, as I like to call them, he created the musculature, the body, so to speak, for She-Hulk. And knowing that what She-Hulk's size was, what her muscles were, we then took that digital information and created a muscle suit that was made for Malia. And then once we had the muscle suit, then we knew we could figure out those mathematics much easier. So we would build the suit, like the opening courtroom suit, for example, to fit Tatiana. Knowing how the scene was going to happen, Tatiana's character, Jen Walters, is going to court, not expecting to ever have to be She-Hulk in court. So she's not wearing a suit that has any stretch capabilities. So we then take that suit and then we do a fitting with Malia afterwards to sort of see where it would naturally stretch. How short the skirt would go, where it would rip, you know, on the leg, how far up the sleeves would go on the arms, where on the, you know, in the arm's eye, where would it rip apart, you know, at that shoulder point. All that stuff was really fascinating and really interesting. And it was all real. Those were like real stress points. So we... Thankfully, we had, you know, the gift of Malia to be able to figure that stuff out. And then um, VFX would scan Malia in costume every time she worked so that they could use that information to help create She-Hulk. So she
1: has a lot of different looks throughout the series. What are some of your favorite She-Hulk
2: designs and looks that she gets to put on? Well, I mean, I love the purple suit that we made for her that Luke Jacobson has made. That was stunningly beautiful on Tatiana and it actually looked fantastic on Malia as well and I mean I have a soft spot in my heart for that beautiful dress that she wore to the gala yes where Murad actually made for us to fit Malia god it was gorgeous and it was such a dream to get to work with Zuhair Murad and I mean in her super suit let's face it it's kind of great and That concept was created in VizDep by Jackson Say, who did a fantastic job. And then I was super blessed with having a fabulous team at the Marvel warehouse who created the costume. Marilyn Matson, who a lot of Marvel fans would be happy to know, has created a bunch of their favorite characters in the films. So she was fortunately available to come work with us, and she made that beautiful suit.
1: Well, speaking of some favorites, we also got to bring back a favorite, Daredevil. Mm-hmm. What was it like? I, you know, I know visual development often iterates on sort of what those classic hero designs are. Yeah. What was it like working with them and bringing a new a new suit with a old flair from the comics? Nice on
2: it, yeah, yeah, it was great. I mean, I love working with those guys in um, Vizdev. They're incredible. And Ryan Myerding did the concept art for Daredevil. And he's definitely the brains behind that character. And so we worked really closely in bringing that suit back to life within the Marvel universe. And Marilyn, again, made the suit for us, thank God, because she did a fantastic job. Charlie was so happy when he put it on <laughs> his first fitting. He was just so excited to be back in that suit, and he loved it. And it was really fun to be able to to get to do that with him.
1: It's so fun, and those scenes also with Leapfrog, the most <laughs> unexpected character, I think we had no clue would be coming into into the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe. What were any interesting challenges with that kind of wacky costume if you look at the original designs from the comics?
2: Well, yeah, again, we were leaning into the humor of it mm-hmm. and knowing the backstory, which is, you know, he's a rich kid kind of spoiled, which you can sort of see from the way he dresses and all his bougie designer clothes. So Luke Jacobson has made this suit for him. And it is hilarious. It's really funny. It wasn't meant to be like some badass, one of our normal superheroes, because Leapfrog's a be superhero. And he clearly did not listen to Luke Jacobson about the jet fuel. And so we just leaned into the humor a little bit with that and we could have more fun. And the design was much more broad and really just kind of hilarious and bright in the greens and the yellows. And I would say the biggest challenge was the helmet and making sure that the actor and the stunt actor could see properly, which they could thank God for, you know, Mike McFarland at the Marvel warehouse who built that helmet for us and the working lights. It's really funny. And I think it worked really well. It's one of my favorite moments.
1: It's very delightful, him and all of his hench people. (laughs) (laughs) Looking back at that entire series, there are so many great, you know, like we've talked about some of the heroic costumes, but everyone has such a distinct style that I think is so fun. You know, Nikki has a great personal style. You know, everyone has their own distinct looks. Who are some of your favorite characters to dress throughout the season?
2: Well, I mean, Luke Jacobson is always going to have a special place in my heart, aka the tailor. And... The fittings with Griffin were hilarious, mainly because he was studying me and how I moved in a fitting, how I would look at him in a mirror, even how I would stand, like my, my posture, all of it. And then he saw how my tailor had tape measure around his neck, so he took that idea and then he looked at all my jewelry and he was like, I'm going to take that bracelet off of you and I'm going to take that ra- <laughs> because I think Luke needs them more than you do. So there's a little bit of me in Luke Jacobson.
1: I love that. Yeah. What a special little Easter egg. <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> I know. It was funny. It was great. He's really incredible to work with. And we were really lucky to have Joshua Kane custom make all of his suits and waistcoats in London. So he is dressed 100% by a British bespoke tailor.
1: Very appropriate for the fancy lad that he is. Yep. The series is so wonderful, it brought me so much joy. It's just one of my favorite things I have seen in recent times. I feel like the series was personally made for me, which is my favorite, (laughs) but you know, looking back at this whole crazy Marvel experience from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.S. to now, you know, with Marvel's She-Hulk attorney at law, when
2: people say Marvel, what comes to mind? Wow, for me right now, It's funny, when you say that, the first thing that pops into my head is Jen in her opening courtroom scene turning into She-Hulk. It was such a great moment to get to see that and to be part of that. And I will always be forever grateful to Marvel for bringing me on the show. It was really great to come back home, so to speak. It was really special.
1: Well, we're so glad that you're back with us. So glad to have you here on the show. What should folks be looking out from you next? What What's out on the horizon that you can tell us about, if anything?
2: Well, I am currently in Vancouver working on the Spiderwood Chronicles for Disney+. Plus. So Ooh. yeah, so that's my next big thing. I'm actually up here doing it with Kat Cara, the director from She-Hulk.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Well, we'll look out for Spiderwick Chronicles on Disney Plus. Of course, everyone, go watch all episodes of Marvel Studios She Hulk, Attorney at Law, now streaming only on Disney Plus. Plus, watch Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., also streaming on Disney Plus. And it was so lovely to see you. My heart has grown three sizes oh. this day.
2: Thank you so much, Lorraine. It was so great to be back.
1: All right. Of course, you guys can go and watch Marvel Studios' She-Hulk Attorney at Law, all episodes now streaming on Disney+. And you can also watch Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. there, as well as a lot of other Marvel stuff. So go and enjoy. Yeah. All right.
0: So Anne was wonderful this week. Next week, we have composer Tim Wynn joining us to talk about creating the music for the video game Marvel's Midnight Suns. It's important because uh, we're getting the DLC starting. I think it's this week. We'll talk a little bit more about it next week uh, with Deadpool. But we're going to have Tim on and get into all the music of it so with that in mind our question of the week for next week is what marvel music scores do you listen to most could be games could be movies but we're really thinking about the scores the composed music so there's a lot out there. For me, it would probably, for the longest time, it was Marvel Studios' Captain America The Winter Soldier.
1: Mm. I listened to that a lot. It's such a good one. I feel like when I think of Marvel music, I just always think of the Avengers theme. It's so hard to not think of. Yeah. It's just so iconic. But also, I want to shout out like Dave Jordan, who is the music mm-hmm. supervisor for a lot of films who just also pulls all this incredible music from the real world. So many great bangers in Marvel movies, and a big shout out to him as well. Yeah,
0: for sure. So we want to hear about you. What are the Marvel music scores you listen to most? You can tweet your answers using hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email them to at twimpodcast.marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. Please, of course, make sure to tell us it's okay to read on the show every time you write in, please.
1: Yes, please. All right. The question of the week last week was, "What's your favorite Marvel costume?" You know, because we're talking costumes this week. So, let's get into it. First up, we have Devin Colson at Devin Colson, who said it's hard to narrow it down to just one suit, but I'd have to go with Ms. Marvel. Love how all of the elements of the costume came together throughout the series. Ah, oh, so good.
0: Luger Nenem at N M Luger Tweeted, Namor in Black Panther Wakanda Forever is a spectacle. The way in which it was adapted with all this beautiful culture was a twinkle in the eye.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. And that headdress was incredible. All right. Next up, we got Kate Needs a Nap <laughs> and I Am Winter Mute. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I love how Carol's suit translated from comics into something functional and military in the movie, which she then took it and made it her own. Yeah, I love that. It's such a good mm-hmm. costume design. Shout out to Jamie McKelvey, who designed it for the comics. And then everything that the Visdev team from Marvel Studios did just made it so perfect.
0: Ethan at Geekin' Out Ethan tweeted, One of my favorite Marvel Studios costumes is
1: Moon Knight because it looks truly epic. Mm-hmm. We've got Amanda Abigail at Ab-salute. Who said, Moon Knight, why do you ask? The costume it is comic book accurate and the hieroglyphs actually translate to words and not gibberish. My best friend, Crispy Chrissy, translated it all. Wow, that's really, really cool.
0: Very, very cool. NASA McKay at NASA MCK tweeted, I gotta go with Daredevil's simple black suit from season three of Marvel's Daredevil. It just needs Melvin Potter's special armored lining. Good
1: choice. Next up, we've got Pharaoh at 2Pharaoh6, who said, The costumes of the Eternals are amazing. The symbols, the colors, the textures complement each other in an incredible way. Yeah, really cool ensemble costume, for sure. Yeah.
0: Diane Morales at Lombard Loyland tweeted, Dr. Strange, mystical grandeur personified. So beautifully detailed in lush textures and colors. Well said, Diane.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Next up, we got Win Richport at Win Richport, who said, I really love the Captain Carter outfit. It buries the worlds and aesthetics of Steve and Peggy pretty perfectly. Yes, that costume is rad. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: We got an email from JC who said, hi, this is my first time writing in for 2023. So uh-huh. happy new year. In answer to the question of the week, all of the costume design has been amazing across the MCU. But seeing as my favorite character is Spider-Man, I love all the MCU Spidey suits. From the Stark suit to the Iron Spider to his classic look from the end of Spider-Man No Way Home. They're all so awesome. Love the show. It really makes my week and keep being amazing.
1: Thanks, J.C. That's so nice. All right, next up, we got an email from Jim in response to our conversation last week about Captain America's shield, and they said, Captain America's shield has been used as a sled by none other than Jeff the Landshark. Mm -hmm. My four-year-old and I love to read It's Jeff together, so I have them pretty much memorized. Check out It's Jeff number four, Captain of Fun on Marvel Unlimited, (laughs) hinted, and the one shot in March if you want it in paper. I'm doing both. As an addendum, this week's Alligator Loki 17 features the eponymous reptile sledding on captain's shield as well you know what's so funny is in my head i was like i have seen this recently and i don't know where so thank you so much jim because i would not have been able to remember but that is so so excellent
0: yeah for sure We have an email from DJ Moss one who writes in to say, First of all, I would like to say that I am fairly new to the This Week in Marvel podcast, and I am loving every minute of it. The both of you bring me such joy every week. To answer your question about favorite Marvel costume, as the ridiculous Iron Man fan that I am, I've been absolutely obsessed with Tony Stark's Monaco Grand Prix racing suit from the Marvel Studios Iron Man 2 movie. It's awesome, it's blue, it reads Stark right across the chest. It's just a ding-dang delight. It's always been my dream to cosplay with it one day. To also quickly answer last week's question about which favorite Marvel prop to own, again, as a huge Iron Man fan, I would love to own Tony Stark's robotic dummy arm, especially the one from Iron Man 3 with the dunce cap on. Thanks, you to Keep up the great work, Excelsior. And yes, this is okay to read on the podcast radio series, XM, wherever. All oh, my hopes that would come true. And it did come true, DJ Moss. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We are so excited to have you listening and going on this journey of just celebrating all things Marvel with us. Here's an email from Carol, and Carol says, I gotta say, right now, I'm really loving Kang's costume. I know we've only seen it a little bit in the new Marvel Studios' Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania trailer, but it looks incredible. And on the comic side of things, Loki's Agent of Asgard look has to be my favorite. Great picks, Carol. That is it for us this week. This episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Kara McGurk, Allison, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Fnagos.
1: Our Senior Manager of Audio Production and Development is Brad Barton.
0: Jill DeBoff is our Director of Audio.
1: And special thanks to Captain America's Sledding Shields. Captain America's Sledding Shields, hidden Nazi while you sled. You're welcome. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe. It's t- t- immoral. Immoral. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>